Thanks for tuning in. This is Bump City, the podcast, episode number nine. Took a week off last week, had some radio duties, but from now on, every Monday, we getting after it. Here's the rundown for today. One, we got to tribute John Clayton, the sports world, lost a legend. I'll give you my thoughts on him. Number two, Deshaun Watson, he is re-signed. He's in Cleveland. Sticky situation over there. We will talk about it. Number three, there's a quarterback shuffle going on. Wilson's gone. Matt Ryan, Mariota, some other guys are going to touch on as well. And number four, this NCAA tournament has been fired so far. I will give you my thoughts. That's the rundown. Bump City of the Podcast, episode number nine. Let's do it. Tough to start this podcast out this week, man, with the loss of John Clayton on March 18th. We lost one of the most influential people when it comes to sports media, writing, uh, personalities, just an all-around great dude. You probably remember him from this, though. It's hard to find an expert more dedicated than John Clayton. He's the consummate pro. We'll see how the 4-3 and the cover three work together. John Clayton with the lead. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Whenever we need a brilliant insight, he's available at the drop of a hat. Hey, Ma, I'm done with my segment! Man, what most people don't know about that commercial was John was kind of hesitant to do it. I read about it. He goes, look, I don't want people not to take me seriously when it comes to analysis, but I think that was perfect for John Clayton because really that's kind of who he was. You guys see this professor has all the answers, um, salary cap moves. He's always going to have an answer for your question, but I was fortunate enough to work with this dude for five years, man, and I got to see uh, a different side of John Clayton. But let's break down who he was, man. He was born in Pennsylvania. He started off covering the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1972. He became a beat writer there. In 1986, moves over to the West Coast and starts covering the Seahawks for the News Tribune in Tacoma. In 1995, he was picked up by ESPN as a reporter and also had a show called Fours Downs where he uh, shared the screen with Sean Salisbury, a former quarterback. And I used, used to see this guy at all the training caps across the country, um, given his analysis, worked for ESPN for two decades, but locally here in Seattle, Man, he had his own Saturday show, which he loved to death. Now, that's John on paper. <clears throat> John on paper was one of the smartest guys you, you you ever meet. I'm a guy who is going to give you great analysis. But over the years, man, I had some moments with John. In 2017 uh, was the first time the Hawks have asked me to come on their postgame show and give some analysis. I got to meet John. First thing I did was shake his hand and thank him. I'm like, man, I grew up on you, John. Him and Stuart Scott were huge to me, man. I'm like, look, I grew up on you. I'm, I appreciate your analysis. And he treated me like any other person. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Small talk. Told me about his wife, who he loves. Um, Pat loved her to death and really kept it small, right? This is John Clayton. This is one of the most popular names in the game, keeping it real low key with me. Now, I got to admit, when I was with the Seahawks, um, John wasn't my favorite person. Why? Because his job is to critique and analyze the situation when it comes to the Seahawks and football teams across the country. And I caught wind of him <laughs> saying some some things about me. Someone asked if I was going to make the team my first year. I did make the team. He goes, I don't know. Nah, a little too slow. Not big enough. And I heard those words, and I'm like, man, when I meet John Clayton, when I talk to John Clayton, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, right? And as soon as I put eyes on John Clayton, all that stuff went away. Granted, it was years after. It was about 10 to 12 years after when I met John Clayton. But as soon as I saw him, 
and had any type of interaction with him, all those feelings went away. Why? Because nicest guy on the block. He's just doing his job, and he's really good at it. He used to come on our show. Um, I host with Paul Moyer during the football season Thursday nights. It's called um, Hawks Live. So we break down the opponent coming up for the week, and every week we had a segment with John Clayton. And I caught wind that this dude likes funk, man, James Brown. Like, he, he loved that era. So every time he came on, man, we'd open up with some James Brown, trying to get the, the mood going. How you feeling, John? And he was always ready, always energetic, always happy to be there. Imagine all the interviews that this guy does in a day, let, let alone a week. Hundreds of interviews, let alone at Thursday at 745. We always knew that we were going to get John and he was going to get ready to go. My Paul, my dude, Paul Moore used to end the interview with what's on your mind, John. And I thought that was great, man, because we always ask John the questions. What if this? What if that? Put money there. Move money there. Who's going to go where? And he always had an answer for us. But nobody really asked him what's on his mind. You know, with, with all the information he has stored in that brain, he's the professor. What was on your mind? And that was one of my most favorite parts of working with John is listening to that response. Because, yeah, we, we cover the Seahawks. We cover the NFL. Sometimes it just be off-the-wall type stuff. What's on your mind, John? You do such a great job of feeding us with information, telling us what we need to hear. That question by Paul Moore used to get me going every single time. And then to end the interview, we, end, we finished with that. And then I would come on and say, John, I'll talk to you next week. Keep it funky, baby. And, man, he's out. <laughs> he always has something to say. Will do, but for sure, let's get it up. Something John like. If you know John, you know how quirky he is. But um, it's going to be real for me this this fall when we go to Hawks Live, me and Paul Moyer sit down. It's 745, and we don't have John Clayton. And Paul isn't able to ask him what's on his mind. And now I'm not able to ask him my excuse me, sign off with my my statement. Keep it funky, baby. So, John, one last time, man. You keep it funky, baby. I appreciate you. Next topic. Let's get right into it. Deshaun Watson, you knew it was coming. We had to talk about this, man. This man just signed the highest guaranteed contract in NFL history. He's going to get about $230 million guaranteed. Guaranteed from the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns say, look, we want to move on from an immature Baker Mayfield. A guy who gutted it out for him last year, man. Towards Laban or something like that in week two and kept playing through it. Salute to that young man. And we're going to go for a guy who has 22, 22 civil counts of sexual misconduct allegations. We're going to go that route. And you know why they went that route? It's because of the talent that this man possesses. It's all about talent. NFL, not for long. What have you done for me lately? Can you help us win right now? The Cleveland Browns are like, look, we haven't done anything in this league since 1960-something. Did go to the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, but haven't done anything in this league significant since 1960. We're going to do everything we can to ensure that we have a franchise quarterback. And honestly, there's no, there's no doubt what Deshaun Watson brings to the table, man. Mobile quarterback, great arm, seemed like a great leader when he was out there. But they're willing to bite the bullet. They're willing to stand in front of the media and anyone else who thinks this is wrong and say, look, we're going to lock this guy down and we're going to pay him. I am. We're going to pay him. This is the tough part about Deshaun Watson, man. I hope that none of this is true. All right. There's 22 women out there saying, look, you did a little too much during these these massages. Two of them said you forced me to do something I didn't want to do. No one knows the truth, but Deshaun Watson and these 23, 22 women, excuse me. 
But during these allegations, it, 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 I'm baffled that the Browns are going to pay him and protect him. There's a clause in here that says, look, man, if you don't play this first year, don't worry, you're only going to lose several hundred thousand dollars. There's a clause in there that says, look, even if you don't play in 2024, you're only going to lose about $60,000 a game. So they're saying, even if you get in trouble, we got your back. Even if some of these allegations are true, we got your back. That's how desperate teams are to find a franchise quarterback. That's how much we can realize that your talent supersedes anything. There are people in this world, bad people in this world, making millions upon millions and billions of dollars because they have a talent that no one else possesses. They can do something better than the next man. So this is proof right here, just that money talks. Now, I don't know if these are true. You don't know if, if these allegations are true. I'm hoping that they're not. But in the process, I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking, man, the NFL just told pretty much everybody in the world, everyone in this country, whoever watches football, that look, you can treat women any way that you want to. You can have these allegations against you, okay? You'll be fine. Some team is going to take care of you. We're seeing the same thing with, with Snyder over there with the Washington football team. No one wants to step up to him and say anything about how he's ran his organization. But don't you dare take a knee and bring awareness about social justice. Don't you dare do it. You know why? You won't be in this league for long. Colin Kaepernick took a knee. He took a knee. Now he's out the league five to six years. I think that window has passed. He didn't help the situation. There's a, a time where the NFL had an NFL. I mean, excuse me, NFL had a workout lined up for him. He didn't show up, moved it, did his own thing. All right, that's not here nor there. I'm talking about just the act of him taking a knee really got him booted out this league. So all you dads out there who have girls, I got a girl, I got a daughter. She'll be eight years old on the 26th. What are we telling them? Like your words and your value means nothing if your allegations are against a man who can throw a football and win games. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson should never play in this league again. I'm just like, man, let's go through the process at least and just see what happens. Before you give a man a fully guaranteed contract of $230 million and you protect him if he can't play because some of these allegations come through. It's just, what's the message, man? It's crazy to me. And I'm hoping nothing for the best for Deshaun Watson. I hope he comes out of this, man. I hope that these women are lying. But if they're not, but if they're not, if they're telling the truth, no worries, this guy is still paid. That I'm just... It's a it's a tough one, a tough pill for me to swallow right now, um, just because I have a daughter and it just hits hits it hits differently. And I wasn't against Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and bringing social, um, bringing awareness to social justice and all that stuff. I wasn't against him. You do what you do. He should still be in this league right now. But don't you dare, Neil. Don't you dare challenge a way of thinking or bring light to issues that don't affect the majority of the people in this country. Don't you dare do that. But you know what you can do? You can you can have allegations up the you-know-what about misconduct, sexual misconduct with women. That just blows my mind, man. Ray Rice. Ray Rice was only suspended two games until we saw the video of him hitting his fiance. Now it's real. Okay, now, now we're going to blackball him. But before that, man, he was alleged to hit his wife. Only got two games. I'm just worried about the message, man. And what are we teaching our young men? What are we teaching our young athletes? Right, you're already under a microscope. Everything you do is magnified. Everyone's watching what you do. But this just told a lot of young men 
that if you are good enough, there's a way to beat the system. Again, I'm not saying Deshaun did all this. I just want to see it get played out. But the funny part about that is it comes to no surprise for myself and a lot of these guys because you know what? If you got money, that system will work for you. If you got talent, that system will work for you. It's working for Deshaun. Again, I hope all these allegations are false and he comes out as a good man, as a good dude, and he's able to play football. But if... They are true. He's still going to get his money. Let's think about that message. Next topic. The NFL is changing. Yes, it is changing. Quarterbacks are switching up. That's just what happens. Got Phillip Rivers, who's no longer here. We thought Tom Brady was gone. Drew Brees is gone. Aaron Rodgers thought about it, but nah, he's coming back. But uh, there's been some quarterback changes. Uh, the most high-profile one, obviously, Russell Wilson going to Denver in the Seattle Seahawks receiving Drew Locke and a bunch of uh, picks. Does Russell Wilson make the Denver Broncos contenders right now? No, Sir Bob. No, they, no, he doesn't. He went to the AFC West. What has the AFC West done since Russell has gotten there? Gotten better. Charges, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. You got the Chiefs. Picked up Juju. I know Juju Smith-Schuster didn't have a great year last year, but that is still a weapon. And then you look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Got Devontae Adams, 28 mil, teamed up with Carr, his college quarterback. You still got Renfro over there. And you got Waller at the tight end spot. Russell Wilson made a move. Good for him, man. He's got some some receivers over there. But, uh, ooh, it's going to be tough over there in that AFC West. Are you guys still going to root for Russell, Russell Wilson? My Seattle, my Seattle lights, my Northwesterners. How do you feel about that? Are you still going to root for Russell Wilson? My opinion, I never wish on a man's downfall. I'm not going to stand up and cheer when he does something great, but I don't want him to go out there and just look like an old man. I want him to have some type of success. Don't worry about winning because the AFC West is going to take care of that for him. He's not even going to win that division. It's going to be tough over there, man. It is going to be tough. So that is a move that happened. You got Wilson in Denver, and now you got Matt Ryan to the Colts. The Colts were, what, one game away from making the playoffs last year with Carson Wentz, who threw about 24 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Excuse me, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,500 yards for Carson Wentz. They bring over Matt Ryan. Now, this ain't Matt Ryan. This ain't Super Bowl Matt Ryan. This ain't MVP Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is an old man now. Last year, he threw for 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and about 3,900 yards. So what that tells me, the Colts are like, look, man, we can win. We can win with whoever. And you know what? You know who feels the same way? Let's bring in Matt Hasselback. Here's a clip. Here's what I'd say. He's going to be 37 soon. So part of this in terms of compensation is age. You mentioned mobility, arm strength, whatever you want to talk about. Here's the other thing. I, and I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Let me, you do. Let me start by saying that, okay? But here you go. Touchdown to interception ratio the past three seasons for Matt Ryan. 26 touchdowns, 14 picks. 26 touchdowns, 11 picks. 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. This was 2007. Listen, no, listen, we were, we were applauding Carson Wentz for throwing 27 and 7 or whatever he, he threw this past year. So, like, there is an element of, like, this, you know, it's not 28 year old Matt Ryan. Like, and so if you think about what Indianapolis has done, okay? It was Phillip Rivers on a one-year one deal with a, a good supporting cast. And they, they thought they could maybe – let me put it this way. I think that Indy feels like they can get it done without a star quarterback. 
I think that's what Indy is thinking. And, and I don't think they're getting a star quarterback. I think they're getting a very experienced quarterback that they think is good enough with the rest of what they Andy says, look, we don't need a star quarterback, man. We need a veteran. We need a leader. And that was the knock on Carson Wentz, right, is that when he was in Philly, not a lot of guys respected him in the locker room. And that goes a long way. But they got some talent over there at Indy. Don't sleep on them, man. Don't sleep on them. They got Jonathan Taylor, 1,800 yards last year. Still got Michael Pittman Jr. at the receiver spot, 1,000 yards. Their offense was ranked 16th overall. Their defense ranked 16th overall. They were in the mix. It is not like they're in a tough division either. You got Houston, who's being Houston. You got Jacksonville, who spent a lot of money this offseason. And then, of course, you got Ryan Tannehill and the gang over there with the Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. That's their their biggest, I guess, foe over there in that division. I think what the Colts are thinking is, let's bring in a veteran who has better leadership, who has shown, look, he could just be decent. Let's, let's lean on this run game. You got a great running back in Jonathan Taylor. You got some young talent at the receiver spot. The division isn't that tough. So maybe him coming in is going to change things up. That's three quarterbacks in three years for the Colts, though, man. That's got to be tough over there. If I'm a role player, I am a, a guy who's been on the roster the last three or four years, I got to be looking around like, man, when is this going to end? And Matt Ryan ain't the <laughs> – he's not the future. He's a transition guy. So just be prepared. If it doesn't work out this year, the Colts will have another year with another quarterback under center. So that's a move right there. Another move we got going on, Mariota goes to the Atlanta Falcons. I feel bad for Mariota because there's nothing there for him. You got Kyle Pitts. There's nothing there for you in Atlanta. Now, ownership in Atlanta said, look, they're going to spin the bag this offseason. We're going to go and get guys. Nah, I think they put all their eggs in one basket. We're hoping for Deshaun Watson. It didn't work out. Now they're scrambling. I think Mariota is a decent quarterback. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks out there, but he's not going to be the guy to take you to the next level. ATL, you got Kyle Pitts over there. I feel bad for Kyle Pitts. Remember he put that tweet out? What he say? He's about to get scary in the ATL. Yeah, it's going to get scary because you don't really have a quarterback, man. And Kyle Pitts is a great football player, an awesome football player. Loved him coming out of Florida. Could play the tight end spot, flex out and play the receiver spot thousand yards last year only one touchdown they signed patterson for one year one year three three million dollars I, I believe it was he was their starter running back last year he rushed for 600 yards and six touchdowns he's had an interesting career is he a running back he's a receiver he's whatever you need him to be but other than that man there's not much going on over there for the atlanta falcons mariota Get your money. I'm happy for you. Nothing much going on over there. And then we talked about it a little bit, but Carson went to the Washington football team. If this were the Washington football team that we saw, what, a couple years ago, I believe they uh, they made the playoffs a couple years ago. Uh, did they make the playoffs? I'm not sure. But if this were the football team we saw a couple years ago, I, 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 feel, I feel a bit better about this move. And I don't think Carson Wentz, I think this is the last stop for Carson Wentz. I thought Indy was the last stop as a starter. If he cannot prove that he could be a starter in this league by the Washington football team move, then it's a wrap for this dude. It's over. A, a wrap not being a starting quarterback. But this guy is always going to have a job in this league. Starting quarterback, uh, not so sure. But he will always have a job in this league. Who does he have over there to help him out? He has a great young receiver. Terry McLaren, man, that dude is awesome. J.D. McKissick is over there. Old Seahawk, big ups to the old Seahawks. And you have a good running back in Antonio Gibson. And you look at that division. That division, the Dallas Cowboys should be good. New York's not going to be great. We'll see what Philly does. That division's up in the air as well. Like I said, there's been some movement at the quarterback position, movements that uh, with some names that we're just not used to seeing. 
And the last bit of movement I want to talk about, I already talked about Deshaun, but we got to hit on Drew Locke coming to Seattle. The best thing Drew Locke has done since <laughs> announcing he's coming to Seattle is not to wear number three, saying he's wearing number two. Good move by the young man. You're already following the footsteps and the greatest quarterback to play the play for the Seahawks. You don't want to wear his number. That number is going to be in the ring of honor. They're going to retire that thing eventually. You start a new legacy, a new journey, number two. Now, it's Drew Locke the answer. We shall see. We shall see. Pete and Schneider had a conference. They say, look, man, he's our guy. We're rolling, for, rolling with him, but we're always looking for more talent. As they should, right? You, all, you should always be looking for more talent, and they left that door open. Is he going to be the guy? I don't know. I look at the film. I see enough arm talent. I see enough mobility. Um, it's the decision-making and the leadership. He's a young guy. He's going to be surrounded by um, some alphas out there. See if Dwayne Brown comes back. They're going to hopefully they extend DK Metcalf or Shad Penny. Just got a one-year deal. He's going to have some weapons, man. You got no offense, someone you're used to throwing the football to. It's interesting times for you Seattle Seahawks fans. Are you guys going to be able to be patient? I'm in a, a text thread with a bunch of my boys. They do not want to be patient. They want it to happen right now. So, like I said, we got some moving, man. Wilson goes to Denver. Locke comes to Seattle. Matt Ryan goes to Indy. Carson Wentz goes to the Washington football team. Deshaun Watson goes to the Cleveland Browns. NFL is going to be interesting next year. Next topic. It's March. It's madness. It has been madness in the NCAA tournament, man. I love the opening weekend, man. It's all about the upset, right? We have teams that we have penciled in. Look, it's going to be my Sweet 16, my Final Four type deal. But every year there's a team that takes you by surprise, and the team this year is St. Peter's. Now, I'm like, who is this team? Where are they from? Who's their coach? Who's on their team, right? They have no guys on their team that was highly recruited. No D1 offers on their team. No stars on their team. They got guys who were just grinding and ready to work. And when I watched this team play, I'm like, all right, I can see why they grinding and ready to work because I listened to their coach talk post-game after they beat Murray State. This is what he had to say. Uh, Gary Graves, Associated Press. With Murray State's physicality, uh, you all kind of kept your cool. When they, when they kept trying to muscle in, uh, what, what was the thing that you told them to really try to stay calm when, when it seemed like they were trying to push you all around? No, I'm, I'm going to say this. It's going to come off a little crazy. I got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we scared of anything? You think we worried about guys trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. You know, that's who we are. Like, we are a very physical team. Our bodies probably don't look like it, but these guys play very hard and very physical. So that I wasn't worried about at all. You know, we've been playing against bigger teams out the whole, the, whole, the whole time. So them being a little bigger and stronger, it didn't phase us. When you got tough, hard-nosed kids, they, they ready to play. You know what I heard? What, son? New York, son, New Jersey, son. We ain't scared of nothing. When you think of basketball, right, this street basketball, you got to think of the East Coast anyway. So it doesn't surprise me that he brings that mentality to his, foot, to, excuse me, to his basketball team. And that's Sean Holloway. If you don't know who he is, he was a point guard for Seton Hall the last time they made it to the Sweet 16, which was the last time a New Jersey-based team made it to the Sweet 16. He's used to being an underdog. He ain't scared of nothing. What they do, they beat Kentucky out the gate. Then they beat Murray State, and now they got to take on Purdue in the Sweet 16. I think it is a tall order, but I want to say that everyone in the country has at least a little bit of a soft spot for St. Peter's. Now, I got to go local and talk about Gonzaga. They come out. Overall, number one favorites, Georgia State gave them everything they could at one point, man. It was a close game. 
It was a close game, but then later on in the first round, the Zags get it done. Boom. Then they move over to Memphis. I was worried about the Zags for Memphis. Why? Memphis is the most athletic team this team has probably seen. And that's what you get playing in the conference that the Zags playing is that you're not going to see teams like this. You're going to see skilled teams, you know, teams that run a good offense. But when it comes to just one-on-one, body-on-body, they haven't seen anything like this. So it goes down to the wire. It's close. It's close. Who comes out the tunnel the second half to get these going is Mr. Drew Timmy, a dude who's only going to jump three or four inches off the court. He's got a headband. He's got a mustache looking like Jackie Moon out there. But he gets in that paint and has such a soft touch, man. Drew Timmy got these guys going. That's who I got winning in my bracket. Now, I know... They disappoint every single year, right? Get to the Sweet 16, I believe, what, six, seven times in a row. At some point, they disappoint you. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Another surprise team is North Carolina. North Carolina struggled going into the NCAA tournament. Man, they lost to Pitt. They lost to Pitt. I believe they lost four out of five before they got into the tournament. It was rough for North Carolina. What did they do? They beat number one Baylor in the second round. In the first round, they beat Marquette 95 to 63, got rid of that. But second round, big upset 93 to 86. They beat Baylor. They got UCLA coming up in the Sweet 16. I got UCLA beating these guys. Arizona, another number one seed, made it interesting. Took overtime to beat TCU. They could have won the game. There was a dunk off a fast break that was um, not called incomplete. I'm in my football mind. <laughs> that didn't count. But Arizona, Arizona takes on Houston. So a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm just going to touch the NCAA tournament real quick. I got the I got Gonzaga beating Arkansas. This is my Sweet 16. I got Gonzaga beating Arkansas. I got Duke beating, beating Texas. I got UCLA beating North Carolina. I got Purdue beating St. Peter's. I got Arizona beating Houston. I got Nova over Michigan. I got Kansas over Providence. And then I have Iowa State over Miami. I'm doing pretty good in my bracket this year, folks. Trying to make some money. That's my quick NCAA roundup. Next topic. That's how we close out every episode. Bump see the podcast. This is the Let It Burn segment. It's when I get something off my chest. My therapy session. Very therapeutic to talk to you guys at the end of this. This is more of a big ups, honestly. All you guys out there hating on these receivers, getting big deals, just let it go. Devontae Adams has reset the market. 28 mil a year. 28 mil a year to play receiver. That's quarterback numbers. Christian Kirk got his back. Four years, 72 million. Don't think he deserved it, but I ain't mad at the man for doing it. So now, what are you going to do with DK Metcalf Seattle? You got this young man who is one of the top 10 receivers in the league, in my opinion. He's going to want his money. Russell Wilson is no longer here. You got a young Drew Locke here. You have to keep your number one receiver. I'm just happy that these receivers are flipping the market upside down and they are getting their money. Started with Christian Kirk, ended with Devontae Adams. What you going to do with DK? That's all I got for the Let It Burn segment, man. I appreciate y'all listening in. Like I said, every Monday. We'll be out here. Unless I got to do radio duty, I got to take the week off because I just don't have time to do the podcast. But every Monday, man, holla at me. I'll be right here. Thanks for tuning in. This is Michael Bumpus, Bump City Podcast, episode number nine. Big ups to my man, John Clayton. We lost a legend this year. Learned so much from that dude. Love you, John. Talk to y'all next week.